0: That was the final nail of the coffin for me, and I just started to deny my Dominican roots, because I felt that being Dominican meant that I was inferior, that I was dirty, that I was less than.:
1: Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. The best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Breanne Davis-Gantt. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with, or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is George. Now, George, I have a question for you. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. What <laughs> is your secret?
0: Ooh, secret. I have two secrets, actually. <gasps> two? Yeah, It's like, it's like Christmas Day. morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, the first secret is that I kept where I lived a secret. Okay. And the second secret was that I kept one half of my cultural identity a secret. Oh!
1: <gasps> Okay, those, I can see why those kind of go together. Can you yeah. tell me when when this started, when you started keeping half of you, half of where you lived or whatever, a secret?
0: For sure. Um, in terms of the first secret, in terms of where I lived, I didn't have any shame around it until I went into high school. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I was in elementary and junior high school, I didn't have any shame because most of the students in both schools were from the same projects that I lived in. I was born okay. and raised in the projects in Brooklyn, New York. And even if they weren't from the same projects, they came from other projects in other neighborhoods. So right. it didn't matter at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was when I entered high school, that was the first time where the majority of the student body were white students. And let me be clear, the school was wonderfully diverse. You had black, Latinx, Asian, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. white students were the majority. And it was the first time I was surrounded by students who came from middle class and upper middle class backgrounds who lived in nice neighborhoods, houses, nice apartments, et cetera. And so that was the turning point for me. And because I never fit in during elementary and junior high school, I wanted to finally fit in during high school. I wanted to be liked. So I lied about being from the projects. I said that I lived in a regular apartment instead. And that was that. That was my narrative for four years. And then when I went to college, it became even worse because I was surrounded by a lot of students who came from upper middle class and incredibly wealthy zip codes. So the stakes were even higher in college because it was a different income bracket. I mean, you know, people had like designer label Clothes and fancy cars, and one person and you would fly in on a private jet. So, jeez, <laughs> I was like, I'm definitely not telling them that I'm from the projects. <laughs>
1: but that, isn't that so funny that something that you have no control over, the eco- economic background you come from, can really affect your self esteem? Because I came, I grew up in a very middle class, upper middle class uh, neighborhood in the South, but mm-hmm. my family we struggled. Mm. Like we hit our cars from the repo guy. So I also felt like I was living this fake life. Like I had Mm. a really nice car, but it was getting repossessed.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) But
1: it affected me. It was like, I was wearing, I was putting on a different mask.
0: Like it wasn't
1: really who I was. So I was acting like this other person. Did you felt like you were doing that?
0: Oh, I was totally acting like I was somebody else totally acting like somebody was I was somebody else yes
1: yeah it's do you feel like that carried on to your adulthood
0: for sure uh, even when I graduated from college I still maintained that secret and I was still pretending to be someone or something that I was not
1: mm. just so that
0: I could fit in and be, be and belong and be liked
1: yeah I mean I can identify everything you're saying I have felt. Um, So you said the other secret.
0: Yes, I denied one half of my cultural identity. Um, I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican. And Mm -hmm. it was the Dominican side that I denied and shunned. I don't know how familiar you are with this, but uh, there's this ongoing thing or joke that Dominicans and Puerto Ricans don't get along. Yes, I have
1: actually heard (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: So you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They they have this animosity. And if you say, uh, if you call a Dominican a Puerto Rican, they get offended. If you call, you know, and vice versa, they get offended. You know, and so my father was Dominican. My mother is Puerto Rican. Um, And I would always joke and say, well, my parents got along. So I don't know what you guys are talking about.
1: But here's my question for you. This just popped in my head. Did your parents' parents get along? Because they were from two different cultures.
0: That's a great question. Um, I don't think that my grandparents on both sides of the family ever met. Not that I know of. What? I don't think they've ever met. I think my father's parents were here in the United States, and I think my mother's parents were in Puerto Rico.
1: And you've never gotten the two sides together to have, like, so. a family event. Right. Wow. Wow. Okay, so go on. I want to hear more.
0: Yeah. uh, So like I said, my father is Dominican. My mother is Puerto Rican. Um, I actually come from a family of six. I'm the fifth child. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so my older siblings are from my mother's first marriage, and my younger sister and I are from the second. So I grew up in a home where my older siblings were 100% Puerto Rican. They were in the majority, and my sister and I were in the minority. Oh gosh, and how'd that I mean, go? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was <laughs> interesting because I, growing up, I, I would remember like jokes or comments that my older siblings would make. And eventually I started taking on their viewpoints and started to feel shame about my Dominican roots. And I think that the final nail in the coffin Or the nail in the coffin for me was when I traveled to Puerto Rico at the age of 11. And one of my uncles called me Cuta a few times because of my dark skin. And at the time, I had no idea who Cuta was. But I remember people around him laughing whenever he called me that. So I knew in my heart that it wasn't a nice term. So that was the final nail in the coffin for me. And I just started to deny my Dominican roots because I felt that being Dominican meant that I was inferior, that I was dirty, that I was less than.
1: It, to me, is so crazy that that different cultures see that, like somebody's mm. less than, because I think that's insane. Like, we're all human. We all have the same kind of blood in our system. For the sure. bones, we're all made of the same things, but somehow one is better than the other. And you lived in a family that was so divided by that.
0: It's interesting, uh, in, in different communities of color, whether it's Black, whether it's Latinx, there is this concept of colorism that exists. Um, yeah, I didn't where, even know
1: that. I yeah. had no idea. Tell me more.
0: Yeah. It's, it's basically the lighter you are, the better you are. <gasps> you know, it's lighter, brighter, better. <laughs> and unfortunately that exists within communities of color and the lighter you are, the more you're seen as better. Uh, you're perceived to be better. You know, it, it's just, it tips more towards people, who are lighter in nature.
1: Do you think since, here's my question, it's 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's ever going to change?
0: I think in 2020, I think it can change if people are willing to have those honest conversations with each Mm -hmm. other and realize their responsibility in it and how they can move forward through action to change that. Yeah,
1: I agree. And I, and I hope there is a change because I, you know, I'm as white as white can be. I'm like (laughs) blonde and have no tan whatsoever. And I, so I've never experienced that in this whole Black Lives Matter movement, but to hear that even lighter skin is better than darker. I just, Mm -hmm. that to me is so crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So when was the moment that this secret that you've been living with, that you've been carrying around your entire life, it seems, for a long time, when did you finally decide to, like, be aware of it and let it come out and open?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Regarding the secret around where I lived, Mm -hmm. um, I finally moved forward after I graduated from college. Uh, I met one of my best friends at work. We were customer service representatives at the Metropolitan Opera House, and we just hit it off after a couple of days. We would hang out often at work, Mm -hmm. and sometimes she would drive me home. (laughs) Now, the only thing is that I would have her drop me off in a good part of town, in a good part of Brooklyn, and then I would walk several blocks home after she drove away. And I kept this going on successfully until one night she asked me if she could use my bathroom because she really had to pee.
1: Oh, <laughs> you're <laughs> like, no. Yes.
0: My subtext was like, no.
1: You're like, I don't live here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. I, I thought I was going to die right there in the passenger seat. I, I started to panic. Yeah. I started thinking of alternative bathrooms that she could use. Like, please let there be a fast food restaurant around here or a gas station. <laughs> but I, I just, you know, as I played those alternatives in my head, I just didn't have it in my heart to do that. To to lie anymore. Yeah, I couldn't. I was like, I I can't bring her to a gas station. It's just, and I didn't want her to pee on herself. So for the first time. (laughs)
1: That's nice of you.
0: (laughs) Right, right. I'm such a gentleman, you know. Um, I I finally came clean about where I lived to her. And after I was done apologizing, and then I was expecting her to throw me out of her car and and expecting her to not want to be friends with me anymore. She looked at me and said, George, I don't give a fuck where you live. That's not why I'm your friend. I'm your friend because I love you. And if anyone's going to judge you based upon where you live, then they're not your fucking friend. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And it was in that moment that I knew that I had a friend for life. And that moment was instrumental for me because I was no longer ashamed from being from the projects. And we parked in front of my building. She went inside. She met my mother. She got to pee. And the rest is history.
1: Oh, I love that story. And it's like I'm getting chill bumps because I have to tell you when I find someone came from like a lower, you know, struggled, made themselves, worked really hard in their life to achieve something, that to me are the best people in the world, mm. the people that it's given to that d- don't have to struggle, don't have to think like, when am I going to, how am I going to pay for my food? How am I going to pay for my phone bill or my rent? Those people I think are very shallow most of the time. In my mm. experience, listeners, if you come from money and you're a great person, I didn't mean it. But in my experience. The more somebody goes through, the more depth there usually is.
0: Yeah. And there's more appreciation for things. Yeah. And for people.
1: But it's crazy as a young kid. I even felt the same way. Like I couldn't get the the, the most expensive shoes that all my girlfriends got. Or, you know, I'd get their hand-me-downs.
0: Same here. I got all hand-me-downs and non-name brand clothes, you know, generic name brands, et cetera.
1: And then I would like steal stuff sometimes because I like, oh, yeah, there's a secret people. I would like steal something because I wanted it so bad. And a part of me thought like I should have this because they all
0: have it. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: So I, I totally identify with everything you're saying. And then what about. When you finally like, stood up and said, I am Dominican, when was that <laughs> moment?
0: Yes, that actually happened um, regarding my Dominican roots. I finally accepted them when I moved to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember Gary Emhoff. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. He was my first acting teacher in L.A. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would put up scenes for Gary in class. And even though I was really good in my scene work, at some point, Gary said that he felt like I was leaving a part of myself out of the work. Oh, really? If that makes sense. He like, it he does. Because you have been
1: denying it. a part of yourself.
0: Exactly. So I wasn't bringing all of me to my work, to my parts, to my characters. And he saw that. And when we talked a little bit more and he kept asking the next question, we discovered or he discovered that I was denying this side of my cultural identity. And mm-hmm. so he assigned me to create and perform a personal monologue where I had to reconnect with my Dominican roots. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay.
1: You're like, no, no,
0: <laughs> why are you doing this to me? Uh, and so, you know, I complied, I went back home and I think I had about a, a week or so to create this before putting it up in class. Cause he wanted me to get it up sooner rather than later. And so okay. I did all this research on the Dominican Republic and I explored how and why I denied Mary Dominican roots in the first place and what it created for me and, and where it's led me today in life, et cetera. And it ended up turning into this like, amazing one-man show. And so I put this personal monologue up in class. I received a standing ovation at the end of it. And Gary opened it up to the room for praise and acknowledgement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And from that moment on, I have never looked back I was able to claim who I really am and to be proud of that because of Gary's assignment to do that personal monologue. So now today, if you were to ask me what I am, I tell people with you know pride, I'm Dominican and I'm Puerto Rican.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing that a piece of art that you created allowed you to step into who you truly
0: are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look at, you know, one of my mentors, Richard Lawson, he talks about painting with all of your colors as an artist to paint with your assets and your liabilities. That Mm -hmm. we as human beings are 360 degrees of experiences and all of these are gifts for us to paint with as artists. So if I'm leaving a part of myself out, then I'm not fully creating as an artist. You know, no, you're not. And I'm not having an experience. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, that's for my mine. Even when I that Huff Post article came out, and I stepped into like this is who I am. I have a, ten years of recovery. This is where I've been. I I literally now feel more like myself than ever before, yes. because I'm not denying things that I've gone through are things about me.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So my question for you, holding these secrets, like where you live, a part of your culture, I always like to tie these kind of secrets to the seven deadly sins, not in the religious sense, more in the character defects sense. So let me name them for you and let me know if any of them ring true and why. So we got pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, or sloth.
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I, was looking at these seven deadly sins for a very, very long time. And I just kept saying to myself, I don't think any of these relate. I don't think any of these relate. Oh,
1: no way.
0: But now hearing you say the list out loud, Uh uh, hearing it from your mouth, maybe, maybe envy. Ooh, for sure. For sure. Ding, ding, ding. Maybe there was a part of me that envied those who had material things, those who came from wealthy backgrounds. Those who, quote unquote, had it made. Those who could be something and be applauded for it and not be ridiculed for it.
1: Yeah. I also, can I name one for you? Sure. So I also think a little bit of pride. Like your ego wouldn't allow you to accept the whole you. Mm. So instead you created this mask, this like fake you, let's just call it. Yeah. You know, your ego wouldn't say, "Oh, this is where I'm from, and this is this is my culture."
0: Right, right. That's very interesting.
1: And I just, and I, and a little bit of anger, maybe that that was where you came from and who you are.
0: Mm. Interesting.
1: (laughs) You're like interesting, Brianna, Interesting. (laughs) But also, who do you think this these kind of secrets? Who did it benefit, and who did it harm?
0: Great question. Uh, It's interesting, because I thought it was benefiting me. Mm -hmm. It gave me a false sense of belonging. And it gave me the sense that I was liked and accepted. I really thought I belonged. I thought I had finally arrived. However, I was harming myself. Because I was only keeping my true self out of the party. I was keeping my sensibility, my voice, my point of view, my experiences out of the party. So at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, I was only hurting myself. I had friends, but people were not getting the real me.
1: Yeah, the whole you. Exactly.
0: Um, Exactly.
1: So how have you been moving forward with this now that you had that moment with the monologue?
0: Yeah, in terms of moving forward with both these secrets, it's really given me an opportunity to put it into my work as an actor mm-hmm. where I can write a TV series that takes place in the projects that these characters live and exist in the projects. And I can make them very multidimensional and complex and not stereotypical or black and white. Yeah, that they all have ambition. That, uh, they all have desires. Uh, that they have lives, that these are human beings. And so I'm able to give a really rich experience and a different point of view when people hear projects. Yeah. So I'm able to shine a light on that in a a better way, I think.
1: And you bring the truth of it and bringing the truth of a character that hates where they're from. And then maybe the journey of coming on the other side and loving where they're from. That would be such a great character.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And then just the celebration of who you are and where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. It's celebrate you. There's only one you. You're beautiful just the way you are. (laughs) Regarding my family, my immediate family, my mother, my brothers and sisters, we all love each other. We have each other's backs. I mean, it's it's such a tight-knit family that we have. And so I'm grateful that I have such a supportive, understanding, and accepting family.
1: Oh, I was going to ask if someone else is listening right now and they're feeling like a part of them is not good enough. A part of them is never going to measure up to Joe Schmo down the street or whatever. What would be your advice for them?
0: Great question. And I'm so glad that I'm partaking in this so that it can help others who are currently in the same position that I was in. My advice would be to love yourself don't seek outside validation validate yourself love yourself affirm for yourself claim for oneself don't wait or rely on other people to do it for you you have to do it for yourself
1: i i agree completely on my computer it says to love oneself is the beginning of a life lifelong romance because you are the person that you're born with you and you die and you die with you and no one else (laughs) is going with you so you might as well really love yourself
0: exactly exactly you get up as yourself and you go to bed as yourself so love yourself
1: (laughs) well thank you so much for coming on and sharing this journey with us in this secret honestly i'm i'm truly grateful
0: Thank you. I, I, I'm so honored to be a part of this. It's been such a blast.
1: <laughs> and if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at secretlifepodcasticloud.com. Until next time. Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note, and you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com.